in three, two, one. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. He is an expert in the field of relational trauma. He is an NHL Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, and World Cup junior champion. He is also a best-selling author, speaker, and country music singer-songwriter. On top of all of this, he is also an advocate of the Breaking Free Foundation. Welcome to the one and only Theo Fleury. Theo, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Well, glad to have you. I was listening to some of your music last night, and I was actually quite enjoying it. You're really good, Theo. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, I uh, I grew up around music my whole entire life. My uh, my family is very musical, and uh, Sundays were spent uh, sitting around together as a family, jamming and, uh, you know, singing and dancing, and so it's... Uh, it's always been a part of me, and, and uh, I didn't really pursue it until, uh, you know, after my hockey career was over, and, uh, you know, I thought, geez, if I can write a book, I think I can write a song, and so <laughs> I, uh, I got some of my uh, buddies together who were in the music industry, and we started writing together and, and putting songs together, and so, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and, and, and well... As you know, my my day job is pretty intense, and and uh, and so it's a great outlet for me to uh, you know write and and perform and uh, and uh, do music. So it's it's been pretty cathartic for me to as an outlet to sort of uh, release a lot of the you know the the heavy stories that I hear you know on a daily basis. Well, you just took uh, my next question from me. I was going to ask you if you found it cathartic. Uh, yeah, it's it's incredibly cathartic, and uh, you know, I'm a left I'm a left handed person, and and okay. uh, and if you know anything about left handed people, we're pretty creative, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and so it's just another one of those creative outlets that uh, you know that I use to you know keep me sane and, and keep me. Uh, you know, sort of on the straight and narrow. Well, you're damn good at it. I hope you keep it up. Oh, yeah. We're, we're in the process right now of uh, writing our second album. So uh, look forward to, uh, you know, to that coming out as well. Well, you're a lot better than Steven Seagal, I'll tell you that. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a tour in the future, Theo? Uh, I don't know. I, I think we do it more for fun. And, uh, you know, I have a really great band and all of us have great relationships. We enjoy playing music together and, uh, you know, are you actually we'll doing shows? We, we, we did a tour after the first album came out, which was, uh, you know, which was pretty cool. And, and, uh, but you know, it's hard to convince people that, you know, this NHL superstar, you know, can actually <laughs> sing and, and write and perform. And so, you know, uh, it's hard, you know, break. You know, as you know, the music industry is incredibly competitive and and uh, and hard to break through. And and you know, we're we're not your traditional, you know, sort of country bro stuff that's out there right now. You know, we're sort of a rockabilly kind of you right. know band. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of people out there who really appreciate you know the old style of. Uh, you know, country music, which is the you know the 
the stuff that I grew up with and, and, uh, but it does have a little bit of a spin on it, but, uh, you know, it, it takes a while to create a following and it takes, uh, uh um, you know, it, it's no different than the hockey world. You know, somebody has to like you and somebody has to give you a break and, and we haven't found that person yet in the music industry. You're like a box of chocolates, Theo. You just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a very uh, tough and competitive business. Weren't you on TV doing a figure skating uh, celebrity thing a few years back? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was an amazing experience. Uh, <laughs> you know, bat- Battle of the Blades. Uh, you know, I actually ran into uh, Jamie Soleil in Toronto at a at a charity function, and she had just finished season one of Battle of the Blades, and she approached me and said you know, would you be willing to do the show? And I said, yeah, sure, as long as you're my partner. I said. <laughs> Fair and, enough. Uh, and that's how, you know, that sort of all came about. And, and uh, it was an amazing experience. And, how and, challenging uh, was that for you? I mean, you're pretty damn good on your feet anyway, but how was it, uh, how challenging was it for you making the conversion to figure skating and ice dance? Yeah, it was, it was incredibly challenging. And, and I'd say that the skates were probably the biggest adjustment, mm. um, you know, because hockey skates are built in a certain way where you're, you know, leaning forward and so your skates are flat. And so, uh, if you got into the old hockey mode, well, they have these little things, uh, on the front of the blades of figure skates called picks. And so, you know, it was challenging to, sort of change uh, my skating style from, you know, one of being sort of leaning forward to a more upright uh, uh, skating position. But I can tell you that by the end of the experience, I was a way more efficient skater and I used all four edges of my my blade, which, uh, you know, I didn't realize that. Uh, you know, playing in the NHL because it, it just was sort of a natural thing. I didn't really think of, you know, the science of, of skating and and using, you know, all four edges to be more efficient and, and uh, you know, a better skater. Is it part of NHL training now? Does uh, do, do any teams put in figure skating to try to expand their skills and get them better on their feet? Yeah, I think there's a lot more... Uh, science, you know, around uh, skating. I think each team probably um, employs a, a power skating skill coach, you know, for the guys that, you know, maybe have a little bit more difficult time, uh, um, you know, with their skating. And, and so, yeah, I think, uh, but, you know, the whole entire athletic world has evolved you know, very, very quickly. And, and uh, you know, I think when we were playing, we had maybe three coaches. And now there's like eight, nine, or ten coaches, uh, you know, that, that are on a staff on an NHL, uh, you know, team. And so, you know, we're seeing the evolution of, you know, science and video and, and you know, just so many things and, you know, how much better the players train in the summertime and how they eat and you know nourish their bodies and, and all that stuff so it's you know it's just the evolution of of uh you know of science i guess is is what 
what we're seeing, uh, you know, at, at every athletic uh, sports level. Speaking of coaching, um, and forgive me, because I, I actually don't know the answer to this before I ask it. Um, once you got out of the game, have you been doing any junior coaching or do you have an interest in if you were invited NHL coaching or are you just going to leave that behind? Well, I am a coach, but it's a different kind of coach. I'm a yeah. life coach. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think, I think, um, you know, because trauma, mental health and, and, uh, you know, addiction is probably the biggest epidemic we've ever seen on the planet. I just feel that, you know, with my knowledge and with my experience that I can have a bigger impact, you know, on the world doing what I'm doing now, as opposed to, you know, sort of, uh, giving myself, you know, to the sport of hockey, which, uh, you know, I think um, what I do uh, really is is what my true purpose uh, and the reason why I was put on this earth, uh, you know, was not to be a hockey player, but actually to, you know, do the work that I'm doing today. And, and uh, it's important work and, and uh, it is so needed uh, in the world, uh, you know, as we speak right now. And, and uh, you know, the whole entire goal, I guess, is to try to speed up the healing process for people to sort of put them in a system where, you know, in a very short amount of time, you know, the system uh, puts out a healthy, happy, productive person, no matter what the trauma experience, uh, you know, has been. And, and uh, you know, we're a long ways away from, from that process. But, you know, the more that I travel, the more that I meet people and listen to their experiences with trauma, um, you know, it's becoming more and more clear as to, you know, the path that we need to take in order to, um, you know, help people uh, get, get their lives back together. You're just the perfect guest to have on this show. Uh, I doubt you're familiar with it, but um, this show, a large part of it, is about overcoming adversity. It's about uh, dealing with, with struggle. And uh, many of the episodes have been, because uh, I'm a combat veteran, so there's been a tilt towards PTSD. And what was really striking in reading your book and listening to numerous of your interviews uh, prior to you being on my show is the similarities between what you went through uh, as a result of surviving sexual trauma. And it, it's very, very similar. Uh, a lot of the, the after effects, uh, the anger, the rage, uh, that is all very, very familiar within the veteran community. So to that, um, uh, off the top of your head, uh, if you only get to one or two, that's fine. But I wanted to ask you, for yourself personally, the top two or three, two or three coping skills that that are healthy that are, that you are using to combat uh, depression. Now, uh, in in the earlier days, it was addiction as an unhealthy way of of coping with depression. But how are you doing it now? That's that's working for you. Well, I think probably the biggest thing with depression is you got to move. You mm. know, so many people are paralyzed by depression that they don't get out of bed or, you know, they don't engage in, in relationship, you know, they just pull away from that. So, you know, the two biggest things is, you know, exercise and finding a daily routine that, you know, helps you 
you know, move physically. You know, the the body needs to move, and 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 when it doesn't move, you know, it you, you get you sink further and further, you know, into uh, depression. And uh, so, uh, moving physically is a great um, tool for depression. Uh, and the second thing I would say is um, is a word we always use, and the word is vulnerability. Okay, and, tell me about that. And, well, you know, in 2009, you know, I told my story for the very first time, and I told it in a very vulnerable, honest, open way. And what happened was, you know, I got run over by people who also carried the same story as mine <laughs> and, you know, were seeking me out either at book signings or speaking engagements or, you know, just walking down the street. I was being approached by people who said, you know, I read your story, I read your book or I saw an interview or watched your documentary or saw you at a speaking engagement. And, you know, it really inspired me to tell my own story. And so the reason why I use the word vulnerability is because vulnerability creates safety. And when you have safety, that's when the magic of healing happens because you now start to attract all of these people who carry, you know, the same pain and the same suffering that you did for the majority of your life, and now you have a community of people who are all going through the same thing. And and really, you know, the most effective thing that I found in healing is creating communities, creating safe communities where you get people into a room who've all had the same or similar experience, and you get people talking and what happens is is once you get people talking then organically they start to develop relationships within the group which then allows them to you know continue the process of healing where they're helping each other through you know relationship because of the work that you've done and because of your book playing with fire there have been hundreds of thousands of people that have had the courage to say out loud, me too. And uh, I've, I've heard you speak uh, several times about the very first me too that you heard and the impact that it had on you. Um, I wanted to ask you, are there any other me too stories that people uh, came up to you and uh, where you saw them take it a step further and start also being vocal um, to say, hey, uh, let's let's shed some more light on this. Here's my story. Have you inspired other people to also be more vocal? Yeah, there's no question that um, you know it's 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 sort of a silent movement that is happening, mm. right? Um, you know, uh, you know, I find the press does a horrible job of uh, you know getting these stories out to the public, you know? I, I think that, you know, a lot of times they focus on, uh, you know, the actual gory details. They want to know the gory details. 
you know, they want people crying, they want people upset, you know, all that stuff. And, and, and the real story is, um, you know, that we need to portray is that, um, you know, this, this is not an uncommon story. This is a very common story. And, you know, most people, uh, before they come to grips and start to talk about it, you know, we, we think we're in the minority, but really we're in the majority. And, and you know, what the press doesn't seem to portray is that this is a huge epidemic, right? Is that sex is being used as an act of war, you know? And for many, many years, you know, raping and pillaging and all these things have been a part of war. And, and you know, um, and, and we need to uh, acknowledge the fact that this is being used as a tool to control people, right? And, and what we need to do is we really need to get people into healing. And, and so, you know, um, so it's important that we have these kind of conversations like you and I are having today where, you know, we're reaching out to people who are listening to this program and giving them permission to seek out uh, safe environments where they can, you know, reveal this stuff. And so they don't have to carry it around with them, um, you know, like most of us do. Uh, you know, like, for example, it took me 27 years to find my voice. And, and, and so, and Theo, most know, people never do. Most people never, ever say it out loud. Exactly. And, and, you know, it causes them, you know, lots of pain and lots of relationship issues and problems throughout their whole entire, uh, life. And, and so, um, you know, we try to do on a daily basis is reduce the stigma attached to, um, you know, finding your own voice. And, you know, you brought up the very first me too. Well, you know, um, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And that guy was there for a reason. And it was to show me that, that, uh, you know, this is the true purpose for your life. And, you know, your experiences in life brought you to this place. And now, <clears throat> you know, you're able to shine a light in a very dark place and, and, and allow other people through your story and your experience to, uh, choose a path of healing as opposed to choosing a path of, you know, addictions and mental health issues. In the veterans community, one of the key ways, and it's not a silver bullet, it's, um, there's different modalities, but one of the important tools in the tool belt for recovery is um, uh, peer support groups. And I was curious if you have participated in any peer support groups or if that's something that you would do in the future. Well, that's what we do at Breaking Free Foundation, you know? And like I said earlier, the, I think the, the, you know, the key to um, solving the mystery of mental health and PTSD and, you know, all these issues is community, you know? Uh, there is no magic pill. Um, it is the simple fact of getting people into a room 
and creating safety. And when, like I said, when you have safety, you know, that's when the magic of healing happens. And the cost of doing that is practically nothing. You know, uh, you know, we run a program at Breaking Free called a meetup. We meet twice a month, uh, <clears throat> at a couple of places that have been donated to us. Okay. We get a bunch, we get a bunch of people in a room. <laughs> Excuse me. We get a bunch of people in a room and we talk about trauma, mental health and addiction. And, and, you know, in the two short years we've run the program, we've actually fa- saved five people from killing themselves. And so, you know, it's, it's as simple as that is getting people in a room, creating safety through vulnerability and then, and then watching these people uh, create, you know, safe uh, relationships with other people, and then they just help each other organically, uh, you know, away from, you know, the venue, and it's that simple. How big is uh, the break? Like, what's the history of Breaking Free? Are you the founder of that or a participant? Yes. Yeah. So in 2000 and... Jeez, what was it? 2010. I got seven of my friends, two Winnebago's, and we walked from Toronto to Ottawa to raise awareness around the subject of child sexual abuse. And it was the most incredible experience. And uh, I know that um, all seven of us who were on that walk, it changed our lives significantly because, you know, people were pulling up on the side of the road, getting out of their cars, approaching us, you know, and telling us these incredible stories of, you know, abuse and, you know, all kinds of abuse, spiritual, physical, emotional, sexual, all kinds of abuse. And, and, uh, and you know, when we got to Ottawa, on the 10th day, you know, we were met by, you know, about, I think it was a couple thousand people who all shared, you know, the exact same story. And when I came back, um, we had sister walks all over Canada, uh, the same day that we arrived on the front steps of parliament. And there was a girl in Calgary who ran, you know, the Victor walk in Calgary. And then wrote this amazing blog about her experience of telling her story for the very first time. And I was like, geez, I got to meet this girl. And so uh, three of us met at a Starbucks and we started talking about creating this, you know, foundation uh, where we could help all trauma survivors. And and so that's where the Breaking Free Foundation uh, was born and, and uh and so basically we run two programs. The first program is a therapy grant program because most people can't afford professional help. And so uh, you can write to us for a therapy grant. Once you're approved, we'll pay for your first six sessions of therapy with a trauma-informed uh, therapist. And then That's if fantastic. you need more after that, then you can reapply and then we'll pay for more um, as well. And it's it's been... It's been awesome, and, and uh, you know, the people that we've collected along the way, uh, you know, we've seen incredible change uh, in their lives, and, and, uh, and it's, been, it's been a wonderful undertaking, and, and 
you know, like I said, we met some really incredible people who, you know, came into the program, you know, broken and, you know, barely functioning. And now, you know, they are, you know, they're on a path of healing and, and, uh, you know, it's been amazing. One thing I wanted to ask you today, Theo, is, um, because it's something I definitely relate to personally, um, reinventing yourself as a grown man in his 40s and going in a completely different direction. Uh, that's not something that that uh, a lot of people have to overcome and to figure out. What, what message do you have for other people that are in their mid-40s uh, or even later and they are basically starting from zero and rebuilding from the ground up? What, what do you have to say to them? People are afraid of change, right? Hmm. And, you know, we get stuck in these routines, right, where we almost become robots, right? And, and, and so, you know, every time that I've had to reinvent myself, yeah, it's been scary. But I think every time that I've taken on, you know, fact that I need to continually reinvent myself, you know, it's been the most incredible, you know, thing in my life, you know, um, and what's really kind of interesting is right now, you know, for the last two years, I've been going through all of these physical changes because of, you know, the sport that I played, all those hits and, you know, I, I, I've actually experienced more physical trauma than emotional trauma in my life. And so, you know, I've been on this journey for the last two years trying to figure out, um, you know, how do I get myself physically well? Uh, and so that experience has been, you know, crazy and wild because I've seen all kinds of therapists and actu- acupuncturists and energy healers and, you know, all this stuff. And so, you know, it, it's been really cool to sort of, you know, try to figure out how, how am I going to live for the next 20 or 30 years without any physical pain or any remnants of my, you know, sort of past life. And so, you know, Theo, of all, being, of all the healing modalities that you've tried, you've tried acupuncture and spiritual stuff and, yeah. and all kinds of uh, interesting things out of the, um, do you have a top two or three healing modalities that uh, have worked best for you? Uh, geez. I think everything works as okay. long as you believe it will work, you know? Okay. And, you know, but because, because, you know, big pharma has sort of uh, programmed us that, you know, we can just go to a doctor and get a pill, <laughs> you know, that's going to, you know, alleviate whatever it is we're suffering through, right? Yeah, that's but the business model. But, but we don't fully understand what the side effects of taking this miracle pill are going to be two years down the road or three years down the road, four years down the road or whatever. Right. And so, you know, I take a very holistic approach to, you know, my own personal healing journey, whether that's emotional or physical healing. And so, um, to, to really, and, and what's really interesting is that no two people on the planet have the exact same chemistry. Right. Right? 
So, which means I don't know if there's a top two or three or four or five. For you personally, though, I mean, every like you're right. Everybody's different. Uh, some things mm-hmm. work for some people, not for others. Um, yeah. But for so I always say, so I always say, try anything. Yeah. Right. Try anything and everything. You know, because it's body, mind, and spirit that have to live in unison. Absolutely. Right. And so, you know, uh, for my mind, I need to talk to people. I need to share with people. I need to be open, honest, vulnerable, compassionate, have empathy, right? Because that'll help the mind. The body is physical and, and, you know, trying all these holistic things, you know, and then the soul is spirituality and, and what, you know, what, what do I need spiritually, uh, you know, to, to, to heal as well. And so, you know, for a long time, I neglected the physical, uh, part because I was so focused on spirituality and, and, and the mind stuff. I forgot about the physical part. And now the physical part of me is screaming at me that, Hey, you've, you've left me out here. You've left this part out. And so, you know, I I really had to focus on, you know, the the uh, the body stuff. I'm going to take this as an opportunity for a shout out for my favorite chiropractor in town. He does, um, Dr. Brad Harper in Okotoks. He does something mm-hmm. called NET, Neural Empathy. Yeah. Oh, you're familiar with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Did you yeah. find Did you find any benefit to it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I find benefit to ev- everything that I believe that it's going to work, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not skeptical. I, I absolutely have tried everything, you right. know, and, and taken bits and pieces of, of different things to help, you know, heal me physically, right? Well, that is our time, Theo. So just to, uh, to wrap up, if you are looking... For our listeners, if you are looking for a spectacular speaker who's inspirational, engaging, and just enjoyable, consider getting a hold of Theo Fleury, number 14, for your next speaking event. Theo, thank you so much for being on the show today, brother. It's uh, It's been a real treat, and i got to tell you, what you are doing is so important, and I think you have the loudest voice out there. You're not only my favorite hockey player, but you're one of my favorite people because of um, uh, the the book and the speaking tour. Uh, what you do changes lives, and it makes a big, big difference, and you have single-handedly helped reduce stigma. And with that stigma reduced, um, more and more people are feeling more and more comfortable stepping forward, speaking out, and and looking for help. And that's because of you, brother. No, oh, I appreciate that. It's uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, to talk to you as well today. Well, so I appreciate it. Hope we can do it again. Uh, maybe next time in studio. I got a nice studio here. Just waiting for you. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Theo. Thanks for the, thanks for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you. The Mighty Show Podcast.